With Florida on the front lines of sea level rise and the impacts of climate change, a lot of local governments are stepping up and trying to reduce carbon emissions on their own. But what happens when the state government has other ideas? We could pave the roads with gold, but somebody's going to complain about the glare. Every year, lawmakers in Florida meet in Tallahassee to propose and pass new laws, present a budget, and represent their communities in the state capitol. And in recent years, that agenda has included a targeted focus, keeping towns and cities from making too many of their own rules, rules that could end up influencing policy around the state. This is Tallahassee Takeover from WLRN News. I'm Danny Rivero. High tides getting higher and higher, record temperatures in the summertime, and rising groundwater levels that contribute to flooding for regular old rainstorms. South Florida is one of the areas most at risk for the impacts of sea level rise and climate change. And so a lot of local governments are coming up with their own plans to fight climate change, to do their part in a global effort to reduce carbon emissions. But when one city made a bold plan to cut fossil fuel emissions, it led to a huge backlash from Tallahassee that puts a lot of these efforts in jeopardy. Alex Harris is the climate change reporter for WLRN partner, the Miami Herald, and she's going to be joining us to talk about this. So Alex, help lay the groundwork here for what local governments are doing with their net carbon zero plans that have been coming out. Like, what are they pushing for and how do they imagine that they're going to meet these goals? So there's no statewide plan in Florida to convince anyone to reduce their carbon emissions. So local governments have sort of taken it upon themselves to do this. Um, They've got a lot of different ideas for how. They want to install a solar panel on public buildings. They want to convince more people to use public transportation. They want to convert their fleets of buses and cop cars to electric vehicles. Uh, But they all kind of have the same goal, which is to get to net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And a lot of them have midterm goals. So, for instance, the city of Miami has a goal to reduce 60 percent of its emissions by 2035. So because there's no statewide renewable energy plan, cities have been taking it upon themselves to reduce carbon emissions because if they don't do it, at this point, it looks like it's not going to get done. Right. Yeah. There's no state plan. There's not even a hint of it from this administration. Um, But at this point, cities can do what they can. They've got control over their own employees, their own buildings, their own cars. And so they're using every tool in their toolbox to make a difference. Earlier this year, there was a forum in Miami where a consultant working with the city laid out potential plans for blocking natural gas connections to new constructions as one way to potentially limit greenhouse gases and to help meet the city's climate change goals. So we're about to hear from Josh Lathan. He's with the consulting group AECOM, and he was working with the city of Miami to develop its climate change plan. So to achieve 60% reductions by 2035, the city would need to get to 100% renewable electricity, construct 100% electric buildings, so that is excluding or prohibiting natural gas hookups in residential and non-residential buildings. The city would need to retrofit 40% of the existing building's natural gas systems, so space heating, water heating, things like that, and convert those to electric options. 
So what you hear there is how cities are actually thinking about meaningful plans to slash their emissions and get to net zero. So they are talking about more than just installing more solar, about having more buses, committing to more electric cars. They're talking about natural gas hookups as part of that strategy. Now, it's only one part of the equation because natural gas only makes up about 5% of total emissions in Miami as of 2018. But it's one of the few areas where the city actually has a lot of control. They can put new policies in place. They can change the way um, new buildings are built. This is something that they actually can play a role in. And when you talk about getting to net zero by 2050, zero means nothing. So you have to hit everything. And this is the one area where a city can actually control it because they can't necessarily control what Florida Power and Light and other utility companies do on the energy generation side of things, right? Exactly. You can't tell FPL, we'd only like solar power. Thank you. But a city has a lot of control over new construction and building codes. Uh, They can tell a new home or office building they have to be really energy efficient or that they don't want them to have a hookup for using natural gas. And just to back up for a second, what exactly is natural gas and how does it factor into how cities operate here in the state of Florida? So natural gas is actually a fossil fuel gas. It's a combination of a bunch of different stuff, mainly methane, which is about 28 times more potent as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. It's most commonly used in Florida to generate power. About 70% of our energy comes from burning that gas. But people also use it in their homes. In most of the northern part of the country and also northern parts of Florida, natural gas is used for heating up homes and businesses. But down here in South Florida, we see a lot less of it, and mostly it's used for heating up water or using a gas stove. And a resolution came out of the city of Tampa in January that changed everything with this. City council member Joe Citro shared a resolution that he wanted to bring forward that would have banned natural gas hookups for new constructions, but it also called for banning new fossil fuel infrastructure from being built in the city. And that included things like pipelines, compressor stations, and many people feared that that language also included gas stations. Uh, Citro said the plan was written in anticipation of an uptick of electric cars and people are just going to start driving more electric cars. So they needed to prepare for that in the future. And I recently talked with Citro about that proposal. And he said within hours of releasing it to the public, a bill was already filed in Tallahassee that would completely undercut it. It was almost spontaneous that some of the fossil fuel industry could take offense at wanting to um, save our city a few dollars and keep our energy clean and protect our environment. Citro told me that when his resolution was made public, it caused some serious panic in cities across the whole state. And what he was hearing from people is that they feared it was going to make Tallahassee so angry that it could lead to a huge backlash that would leave local governments less able to reach those net zero emissions goals that they had been laying out the plans to do. And Citro said he agreed not to name the specific cities or officials that he was hearing from, but that the fear they were telling him about was very real. I had people from all over the state calling me and saying, you know, Councilman Citro, please withdraw this resolution. You're going to jeopardize what we already have in place. And that's how strong the resolution was going to be. They would be retroactive to all these other communities that had already put something in place uh, for clean energy. Our former mayor, Dick Groco, said it best. We could pave the roads with gold, but somebody's going to complain about the glare. This resolution was the best for our city. 
both financially and, and environmentally, but somebody's going to find some fault with it, no matter what, you, in anything that you do. Again, Citro's proposal would have banned new fossil fuel infrastructure from being built in the city of Tampa and banned natural gas hookups for new homes and businesses. And that really shook state lawmakers in Tallahassee so much that they fired back with their own proposal. Their answer to Citro's resolution undercut much of what he was hoping to achieve in Tampa. It blocked cities from banning the use of fossil fuels, and that includes natural gas and new construction. It was effectively a ban on bans. Let's listen to Republican State Senator Travis Hudson talking about it in a committee meeting. He represents St. John's and Flagler counties and part of Volusia County. Uh, we're just prohibiting the elimination of current energy sources, and that's, that's the plan. So any new projects we're trying to do, any pilots um, that would do clean energy, you're certainly allowed to do that. You just can't completely wipe out the old energy that's already on the grid. I don't know whether we're going to be fully off gas fuel at 2030. I don't know if that's a realistic idea to get to in eight or nine years, but maybe it's realistic in 15. So I think we need to just look at what those ordinances are. But again, there's nothing that prohibits them from doing new energy. It's just the energy that's already on the books trying to eliminate that. And that's that's what I'm most concerned about. And then fellow Republican Senator Ed Hooper joined in. He represents parts of the Tampa Bay area and Pasco and Pinellas County. And we're about to hear him respond to parts of the conversation that look to things going on in California as what Republican members of the Florida legislature are really trying to prevent from happening here in Florida. And it was in this part of the conversation where it becomes very explicit that this bill Florida state lawmakers were taking up in Tallahassee was in direct response to that proposal that came out of Tampa. I know you spoke of a city or cities in California that have started a conversation about banning gas stations um, and whatever else they choose to ban. A city in the Tampa Bay area had that discussion, and it went far enough to scare some of us that a fairly large city in uh, the Tampa Bay area that starts with the word Tampa um, had that discussion with their elected officials, and, and um, it was a serious discussion. Now, I don't have any objection, and I know there are communities in my district that have adopted a 100% clean energy uh, into their comp plan or whatever they want to talk about. That's admirable. I think someday that will be achievable. But State Senator Hooper also zeroed in on why limiting the availability of gas stations in particular would actually, in his opinion, create a massive problem for the state. As of today, every uh, piece of pavement in this state is paid for by gas tax or diesel fuel tax. And those that think electric cars are the greatest thing and they will be someday, they don't pay a dime to pave our roads or build our infrastructure in this state. So if the goal is to eliminate gas stations or gasoline importation into our ports or any of those fossil fuels, somebody's going to have to pay the freight someday to keep our infrastructure uh, in a condition that we can move around safely and uh, appropriately. But that fuel tax, it actually doesn't apply to natural gas that's used in residential and commercial buildings. But it does speak to the general 
sort of anxiety around pushing residents too quickly into renewable energy, especially when you think about cars. So after a lot of back and forth, uh, the bills did pass on a party line vote with Democrats voting against them. Um, It bumped through a couple more committees where it narrowed a little bit, but the end result was pretty much exactly what they wanted from the beginning. Local governments could not do anything to prohibit a certain type of energy. They can't ban natural gas hookups, they can't block gas stations from being built, and they can't even require gas stations to include electric vehicle chargers. And the lobbyists in favor of this bill were the usual suspects, exactly who would imagine. The Florida Petroleum Association, the Florida Natural Gas Association, and the Florida Retail Federation, the Florida Home Builders Association, and the National Utility Contractors Association of Florida. Not many of them spoke at these meetings, but they all signed up in support of it. So we know the Tampa proposal was the spark that started this conversation in Florida. And we know the lobbyists that lined up to support the bill once it was on the table. But do we have a sense of where this legislation came from in the first place? Yeah. So the concept of creating a natural gas ban isn't unique to Florida. These bills have been passed in 19 states, bans on natural gas bans, and at least five other states have introduced that bill in their current session this year. An investigation by The Guardian earlier this year showed that the American Gas Association was actively coordinating and lobbying for the passage of these bills. And here in Florida, our reporting at the Miami Herald found that our versions of these bills were actually written by lawyers for the utility companies, and they follow model legislation advanced by the American Natural Gas Association. So in the end, despite a campaign from environmentalists and cities saying they didn't want this legislation, a pair of bills passed here in Florida, which pretty much do the same thing, which is banning local governments from banning any specific types of energy. Basically, fossil fuels. And after all of that drama, the city of Tampa decided to return to what it started. City Councilman Joe Citro, who we met earlier, actually brought back a new proposal that took those laws into account with some tweaks. And this time, he actually got it passed, even though it wasn't exactly what he planned in the first place. And Citro told us that as bad as the bills seemed to him, in the end, they didn't stop him from doing a lot of what he was hoping to get done. There was just certain verbiage changes. We tried to eliminate the words fossil fuel as much as possible. Other than that, there really wasn't uh, all that much of a change. When the players came to the table, sat down, talked to them, made them understand that this wasn't going to put them out of business, uh, I, I think it became a little bit more acceptable to those people and those corporations. The final resolution, which passed in August, committed the city to 100% renewable, clean energy by 2035. But some significant parts of the original plan were cut back, like the city's ability to cut natural gas lines to new home constructions and blocking new pipelines from being built in the city. Are our hands tied? No. Uh, Wallets may be a little constricted, but I feel that we are going to be able to take major steps in getting it done with the consumers, with the businesses, and with the administration. Either way, Tampa became the 12th city in Florida to commit to 100% renewable energy by 2035. We've heard a lot of sustainability staffers say, hey, I'm interested in still exploring this. Is this still something that I can consider? And our answer to that is yes, absolutely. Emily Gorman is the Florida director of the Sierra Club. And Gorman told us that despite these big, scary bills in Tallahassee, a lot of local governments are still moving toward their clean energy goals, which is a good thing. 
The way Gorman looks at these new laws is that they don't stop cities from moving towards clean energy, but the cities just have to be more creative about cutting carbon emissions because state law now takes away that all-or-nothing approach that some of the cities were actually flirting with. And the way that we talk about this now with activists and advocates is that it limited your ability to prevent, to ban, or to prohibit. It did not take away your ability to incentivize or encourage or to plan, right? So we would call this taking away your sticks and leaving your carrots, right? You no longer have the sticks, you have the carrots. And Gorman says the Sierra Club is actually learning that bans on certain kind of energy, like natural gas, are too much of a blunt force in the real world that we live in. And in that sense, Gorman says the bills actually encourage more cooperation between the utilities and local governments so that in the long run, it might actually be better for the movement towards renewable energy. The chilling effect comes more from the word on the street than it does the actual language of the bill. Right. There's a there's a rumor going around, <laughs> you know, and uh, so when I talk to local officials about specifically this preemption, what we most get is relief. Oh, I didn't realize I could still do so much. The transition to 100 percent clean and renewable energy is a market shift. Right. This is a, a structural change to the way that our economy operates. And so with that in mind, as we make more choices for renewable energy, it gets easier and easier to do more. The more you do, the more you can do, in a sense. So really, we shouldn't be in a position where we need to turn to bans. But in practice, what we're seeing in the city of Miami doesn't completely line up with that theory. If you remember earlier, we were talking about Miami's plan to ban natural gas hookups in new construction and convert a portion of natural gas-powered buildings to electricity. A few days before the Tallahassee law passed banning natural gas bans, Miami announced a bold new plan to cut down on carbon emissions in the city. It had lofty goals. It talked about solar panels. It talked about public transportation. But on the exact same day, the city commission gave first approval to a 30-year franchise agreement with Tico, a major natural gas company. And that was on Earth Day, April 22nd. So on Earth Day, the city said it wanted to severely cut emissions. And at the same time, it signed a new contract with the natural gas company? Yep. And the city knew that these bills that would ban natural gas bans were on the horizon in Tallahassee at that time. Uh, did that fact affect the city's plans in any way? The city knew those bills were going to get passed. Everybody knew those bills were going to get passed. And Miami knew that if they did, it would significantly weaken the policies that they were hoping to put in place to cut on carbon emissions. But my reporting also found that at the same time those bills were moving through Tallahassee, the city was actually getting a lot of pressure from that same natural gas company, Tico, to roll back its clean energy goals. So the cities were really getting it from both sides here, a lot of pressure to roll back on all of their carbon emissions plans. On Earth Day, before the bills in Tallahassee passed, Miami had a goal of getting 100% of its new construction to have net zero emissions by 2035. So they weren't releasing extra carbon emissions into the atmosphere and causing more global warming. But when the final plan was released in mid-November, when those bills were already law, that goal was reduced to only 5% of new construction. From 100% reduction down to 5 And a big part of that 
was these laws getting passed in Tallahassee. By the state kneecapping these efforts to get to 100% renewable energy for new buildings, it makes it actually impossible for any city to get to 100% renewable energy. In order to get there, the law would have to be changed some point in the future. Because as it is right now, every single new home built in Florida will still have the option to connect to natural gas. And so some people are always going to take that option. And while the state is blocking cities from some of these tools that can get them to 100% renewable energy, Florida still doesn't have a statewide clean energy plan, which is actually in stark contrast to the other most populated states in the country. Like, for example, both California and Texas get about 25% of their energy from clean energy sources. But Florida is the third most populous state, and we get about 3.2% of our energy from renewables. So compared to the other two biggest states in the country, we're actually falling way behind. That's right. And if Florida doesn't pick up the pace, that's going to make it harder for the entire nation to get on track for the national clean energy goals, which makes it harder for the world to get on track. And if we don't hit those goals, we're locking ourselves in for a future of increased heat, extreme weather, and more flooding. And Florida is squarely in the crosshairs of what scientists say is coming if we keep the business-as-usual attitude. Activists and local politicians are calling on the state government to show leadership on this, to issue a clean energy plan and actually move toward a more green energy future in the Sunshine State. And there are bills filed in Tallahassee every year that would move the state towards this goal, but they haven't gone anywhere. In the meantime, the only thing the state government seems to be doing is limiting what cities can do when it comes to renewable energy, instead of actually taking the lead on this issue. Alex Harris is the climate change reporter for WLRN partner, the Miami Herald. Alex, many thanks for coming on to talk with us about this. Anytime. Tallahassee Takeover is a production of WLRN News. This episode was reported and produced by Miami Herald reporter Alex Harris with me, Danny Rivero. It's edited by Lance Dixon and Alicia Zuckerman. Our engineer is Merritt Jacob. I'm Danny Rivero. See you next time.